All right, all right, all right. Welcome to Every Playlist Tells a Story, the podcast. How's it going, Todd? How you doing? I'm good, man. I'm Todd. And I'm Jimmy. And we're stumbling over each other, but that's all right. That's how we do it. Well, you know, I was waiting for you to say, I'm Todd. I know, and I kind of lost my train of thought real I don't know. I blanked out for a second. Yeah, no dead air, man. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah I don't know. I, I appreciate you being there to help keep it full. Even if we double dump on it. That's know, right. That's right. That's fine. Hey, before we get started, kind of do the general follow us on socials, email us at every playlist tells a story at gmail.com. Whatever your platform you're listening to uh, these shows on, if you can rate, subscribe, leave comments, please do that. That's always uh, that's always fun. With all with Instagram, Facebook, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, and Twitter. Okay. Yep, I got you. We're all in there, and I've I, you know I, there's a couple of posts I put like everything on there. There's so much stuff I'm trying to minimize what I'm putting in these posts because there's just a lot of stuff I put in. So I try not to you know put too much in there because you you lose readers quickly i found my attention span on looking at social media posts well you know I, it's good the hashtag i saw your hashtag yep. a lot more aggressively did some hashtags last week and uh seeing how that's going to play out for us and well trying new stuff trying to figure out how this this new technology works yeah i went to the at doc or hashtag docking yeah, and just you know, follow the trail, right? Like you know, Don Dawkins had a had video uh, home security camera, caught a bear going through his backyard, okay. you know, in the middle of the night. Checked out that video. There's some interesting stuff on there, you know. I normally, wouldn't see on a feed and Facebook. I, yeah, I really don't do that, man. I'm so scared because I will get sucked into one of those rabbit holes so easy. It just I find that I'll click on the link and it'll take me something, and then I'll find something else that'll take me down another path i mean i you know watching netflix i'll pull up something i've been watching a zz top documentary and at the bottom is you know other viewers like these things so i you know look through that and i find one i like and i click it and then the next thing you know i'm looking at the suggestions for that title and i'm clicking another one there and going like eight deep on suggestions finding you know things you have a lot of time in your hands I don't have a lot of time on my hands. That's the problem. That's why I don't... Well, you, that's because why I don't that's what you're doing with it. No, I don't... Stop yeah. doing that. Oh, come on. Well, you're admitting to it right here. Well, I'm admitting to it, but it's, I don't do it weekly. I'm just saying this one particular instance. Get off my case, man. Next thing you know, the sun's rising. Is that what you're saying? You're like your kids with PlayStation? Something, yeah. Something, yeah. I'm like, I'm like, what is it? Uh, I'm like Madden football on PlayStation 1. Oh, my God. <laughs> uh, it was a major addict. Dark times. Yeah. I was so bad at Madden in my young days. Yeah, you know, on a Saturday morning, I you know, a lot of things to do when I was living on my own. And it's like, hey, I'll, I'll play one game, you know. Yeah. What's one game? Next thing I know, it's four in the morning. Yeah. You know, I started at nine in the morning. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm doing the franchise mode. It's like, you know, already the year 2030, I've already built a new stadium. You know, I've won the Super Bowl like 20 times or in one night. Oh, that's awesome. That's when I had to stop. Then yeah. I was beating my friends like 70 to 7. Oh, um, yeah. I'd gotten so good at it that. You're a pro. Uh, it was just, I was just, my friends didn't like me and I <laughs> wasn't getting, I wasn't did, sleeping. Did well. you like yourself? No, I had to stop. It was just, I had to face it. I had to face reality. You know? Well, it's good that you admitted the problem and took steps to walk away from and it. And completely yeah. cut myself away from it. I have yeah. not played it since. Well, and I mean, it's kind of like the Netflix thing. It's, yeah, that's why I don't do stuff like that. I mean, it's 
every now and again I'll get sucked into something and I'll go down that rabbit hole. But yeah, I don't. I'd say maybe once a month I'll go diving into something too far and spend two hours on something I should have spent ten minutes on. But it's easy to do, man. There's so much stuff out there. But anyway, so you saw some some cool Don Dockin surveillance footage of a bear. Yeah, I mean, you know, I love my Facebook friends, but they're kind of they 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 kind of repeat themselves. There's some that just oh yeah, you know, they're always political or it's always about the kids. Not not I don't have anything against showing your kids off. Right, it's like okay, well, there's nothing else going on. That's fine, but it's just I know the story. Yeah. No, it's good to mix it up yeah. with the hashtags. I've, I've never done the hashtag. I haven't either. I'm new to the hashtag game, so we're going to see how that plays out. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. I, talking about Facebook and posts and stuff, I've got, you know, I, uh, similar thing. I mean, people, it's just the same stuff over and over and over, but I've got this one guy that I went to school with, mm-hmm. and I'm fascinated by his posts because his stuff is really just a bunch of those memes. He just, that's all he puts up there. He finds those memes I, and puts them I, up there. Yeah. And what I appreciate it about what he does it's not one-sided. It's You'll see one that's pro-Trump, and the next one will be against Trump. I mean, he's, yeah. e- he's equal opportunity, and that's what I appreciate. The ones that are just always pro this topic, this topic, this topic, it drives me crazy. So I appreciate what he does, so I pay attention to his stuff. There is one good one here uh, that is that way and, yeah. and really kind of odd. Uh, Turnium Quid on Facebook Turnium quid. It all they post is memes. It's not uh-huh. lean, it doesn't lean left or right. It, right. It just makes fun of whatever is going on at that moment in in a very oddball kind of way. It's okay. so funny. But T E R T I U M Q U I D. Maybe we could hashtag it. Oh well, yeah. Yeah, maybe you have to remind me. I'll screw it. Yeah, very. My cousin was constantly post on his. On his page, and I, it made me laugh, so I had to start. I liked it, so I could get it on my page, and uh, good stuff. That you know, as far as anything else going on, A and E did this thing uh, biography a couple weeks ago, and I recorded it, and just recently sat down to watch it. But it was uh, the Nine Lives of Ozzy Osbourne, and it was the, like just two hours of. It was basically you set up like Ozzy was sitting in front of a screen, and it would say, you know. Here's Ozzy's childhood, you know, life one was his childhood. And he kind of, you know, showed footage and talked about stuff. And then he would kind of talk about stuff. And, you know, life two was Black Sabbath and forming of that band. And so, you know, kind of, you know, and it was two hours and nine lives. So everything got, you know, 15 to 20 minutes. It was a nice condensed version of what his life is. And I've, I mean, I've been a fan of Ozzy for a very, very long time, read biographies and all that stuff. And, and honestly, he's one of those entertainers that and I, and I hate to even think about it but I think when his time comes it will be devastating to me I mean he has been such a huge huge part of my life he's one of the founders of heavy metal yeah I mean yeah, it's just it's so I've, I've always been fascinated by him and it's 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 a it's if you're not familiar with Ozzy even if you are familiar with Ozzy it's it's a cool watch the one thing and when it, when I watched the, this part of it, and they were talking about it, it seemed like I it was it seemed like it was new to me. But then, as I kind of thought about it in the story unfolded, I was like, you know what? I think I kind of remember this. But there was a time where I guess Ozzy was there was a period of time where I guess Ozzy attacked Sharon, got arrested, went to jail, 
Yeah, that wasn't too long ago either. I mean, what, like early oh. 1990s? Yeah, I want to think maybe late 80s, early 90s or whatever. But they're talking about this time, and they're talking about his, you know, drinking and whatnot. And it, now, was that the time that Sharon, I, I remember Sharon explaining that Ozzy approached her and said, the spirits Oh, no, this, me. that's what I'm getting to. It's, okay. She, when she's telling it, she says, you know, it's a normal day. He's out of his head drunk, whatever. He's on, blah, blah, blah. And he comes in and he sits down and she talks about, you know, the look in his eyes and how, she, you know, when he's hammered, she could tell because of the way he looked in his eyes and had that look in his eyes. And he just sat down and he just looked at me and said, we've decided you have to die. That's it. And it was just like, it just struck me that who is the we? What, what demons, like you said, what demons are floating around in his head? And just and the frightening, just just how frightening that would be for to be one on one with somebody and have them say we've decided, it's it's insane. His whole life's insane, but it just to still be alive, and to still be alive. Yeah, I think I read something I don't know a couple of years back that talked about there's some weird, some weird something in his genetic code in his DNA that has allowed him to survive all the stuff he's been through because any normal. Any normal you person, you or I would not. Live. You and I, yeah, no, I, yeah. yeah. He's a tough British kid. Oh I mean, yeah, born yeah. in the streets. But, the, but you know, there was some report, and I don't, I don't know the validity of it, but it was interesting to me because they were like, "Hey, we found in his genetic code. I mean, he's got this one thing that's basically allowed him to do what he's done for so many years and not kill him." He's like Charlie Sheen. He's got tiger blood. Tiger blood. Oh yeah, maybe. But anyway, it's an A&E documentary called The Nine Lives of Ozzy. We've been watching also. He does that travel show with his son, Ozzy and Jack. And Have you watched any of that yet? Watched a couple episodes of it. It's pretty interesting. It's, uh, I, th- thought, it sounded, it's, it's, I thought it was going to be more like that reality show of the Ozzy. Yeah, you know. And kind of explored when it. I was, when I was watching it, there was one little section on the whole... Osborne's TV show and how it made him a household name and blah blah blah. And in I, the know, wrong way. And you and I have talked about it before in the past. And it's you know yeah it brought him to the masses, but it it kind of goes back to what we talked about. You know, can you forgive an artist for the sins of the past? And you know, I, just, I was, like I said, he's been such a big influence and in just stuff I've listened to over the years and been a big fan of him and his bands and his, all the guitar players he's had and, and whatnot, but. Um, but now you bring up the name Ozzy Osbourne, and people will think of the TV show. And I, you know you what? Know, I almost I almost think enough times passed. Comedy life. I almost think enough time has passed where the TV show is a secondary thought. I think the primary thought, if you say Ozzy, is Prince of Dark. You think so? I mean, I think so. I, and I may be wrong, but I know you know because my attitude that TV of Ozzy has changed since that oh, show. Yeah. yeah, but that TV, but. But that TV show, I don't, I don't even really recognize. I don't even think about it anymore. It's, it's, it's just hard. For it me doesn't to exist until somebody reminds me that it, it exists. It's hard for me to think of that cover of uh, "Speak of the Devil" album. Mm-hmm. Is the same guy that's you know can't barely can barely walk around, right. looking for his remote control yeah. or whatever he lost on the in, right. on the whatever episode. Yeah. That's the same person. That's just. Yeah. People, kind of ruins the whole. People got lives, man. It ruined the whole. Oh, it ruined the Yeah, Ozzy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's it, you know, and in you know, I've often heard that you know, older artists, the the rule there was you know, don't let people in, don't you know, keep the mystique alive. But this day and age, shit, you gotta, you gotta, you know, if you don't 
let them in a little bit on what's going on, then they forget about it. You know? I, everybody goes to take a dump in the toilet. I don't want to see Ozzy taking a dump in the toilet. You know what I mean? Which episode was that? I don't know. <laughs> but that's my, you know, it's, I'm just making a point. Right. I got you. <sighs> no, but Ozzy's great. Yeah. He's, you know, it's, he's one of those guys that, like I said, I just, I, fe- I fear for the day that we don't when have When that Ozzie day comes, us. I'm going to go find video, any video I can find of that, that leap he does. You know, that little, it's not really it's like, like a frog a, it's, leap. It's like a, uh, it's like a. I've never seen anybody. It's jump like a like frog hop kind of thing. Yeah, it's like it's he's almost on all fours. Yeah, but he's not. Right, like his hands never touch yeah. the ground. But I mean, he jumps like a frog almost. Yeah. but like a frog, it this depends on his back legs. Right. Yeah, it's a unique jump. Yeah, it's, and, and it's, when he's got his white, what's his the tassels? The tassels. Yeah, he he's even, got that white shirt on. He even talks about it. he's sitting there. He's sitting there watching footage from you know something in the seventies with Black Sabbath, and he even says he goes. Why did I wear so many shirts with all those tassels? Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just you know at the time it was it was the style. And there's that there's that one they showed that footage of, I can't remember what festival it was, but it's like he's wearing the gold pants with the boots that are coming like oh, halfway California up. Jam probably. California Jam probably. And he comes out and he starts playing. He's doing that stomp and clap, and then he just pulls the shirt off. Yeah, he didn't wear and a shirt. He throws it in the audience, and yeah. it's like I mean I've seen that footage so many times, but I I love it. It's great. It's, it's freaking Ozzy, man. Yeah. So, and then, you know, as I was watching, I got thinking, back in the day of, like, Napster and all that, you know, when all this file sharing thing was new, I had it one time, and I don't know if I still have it, I had a version of Black Sabbath doing Blue Suede Shoes. You played it for me. It's... I remember we were on our way to OzFest, and I just jumped in the truck, and that was the first thing you put on when you put in the drive. Yeah. That's a that. great. That's. I mean, it's. And I've never seen it on a record. I don't know if it's since been released on anything or not. I really haven't taken time to look for it. But it was tight. It's a. It's a great version, and it was. And you. You can almost tell it was bootlegged or something because there was all kinds of little weird, like rump, crumpled tape noises kind of throughout. Oh, it was it. raw. And, it was yeah, like a rehearsal. Yeah. Yeah. But it was a great version. So yeah, if you run across that Black Sabbath Blue Suede Shoes version, man, check it out. It's pretty cool. So yeah, that's all I got going on this week. Is you know. Prince of Darkness, Ozzy Osbourne, and like I said, that that show with Jack, that travel show they did, and Jack's I, Jack's pretty good at what he does. He's, he's very good at what he's he does. He's been at it for a while now. And uh, my my wife caught it one morning and said, "You know what? This looks kind of good. Maybe we should watch." So we DVR'd several episodes of it, and I think the first one I watched was Jack was taking Ozzy back to the Alamo. Where oh you're talking the road trip the road trip version thing. yeah okay, the road not tri- this new one with the supernatural there's like a on. supernatural one on that yeah no yeah. yeah the road trip version is the one I've started watching okay and so the whole episode is they're going to San or yeah San Antonio to go to the Alamo and of course Ozzy was arrested there and banned from the city for a while for that's right you know and Jack was he, was, he pissed on the side of the building pissed on the side of the building which they go through this the whole thing is Jack's trying to get a hold of the original police report and get to the bottom of what really happened and the fun story on that one was and I think in this biography Sharon even talks about it is he, you know his his thing was wait till she goes to sleep he stinks out goes and gets hammered gets in whatever trouble he gets in so she started hiding all of his clothes when she went before she went to bed okay and so his solution to that was I can't find any of my clothes okay I'll wear one of her dresses so when right. all this is going down in San Antonio, he's in a dress. Wow! <laughs> yeah, he's uh, dedication. Oh, was that? Uh, 
Not bisexual. Trans. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure anymore what the problem Cross-dresser. is. Cross-dresser. Cross-dresser. There That's you go. It. Yeah. Cross-dresser. Unintentional cross-dressing. Ne- so I, I, didn't re- I didn't realize he was wearing a dress when he got yeah. caught yeah. publicly. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. So, so anyway, that's that was it was a fun episode because Jack was telling him, "Hey, we're going to the Alamo," and he was just like, "No, I I'm not going." Yeah. He was he was not having it. Yeah, right. Yeah. You know, as he should. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's there's a history there. I don't know if they're going to let me. And so, it all worked. You know, I'm not going to give it away. It all worked out. But well, that, that's been out for a few years. Yeah. Yeah. So. It's a, anyway, that's a fun little show, and then the paranormal thing that's new. I've been meaning to look into that, but I just haven't yet. I don't know. If There's I, so much. Like I, I don't know. You get the Travel Channel. Yeah. It's not even about travel anymore. No. It's About paranormal. The whole yeah, yeah, yeah. Twenty four hours a day. Which I'll tell you what. This time of year, I'm all for it, man. This time of year, I will turn it on at seven o'clock in the morning. I will, it's three sixty five. I will man. leave it on till I go to bed, and just story after story. I love it. Paranormal caught on camera. <laughs> Portal to hell. <laughs> Portal to hell. Jack Osborne. Yeah. So, so that's what I got going on. You? Uh, well, you know, it was um, it's, it really cool out. This is probably the coldest night we've had. Yeah. In a while, so it brought back memories of when we used to come out here and jam. Yeah. And I always played. Too Fast for Love by Motley Crue. I put that CD in and we right. crank it up on yeah. the way because it's, I don't know, it's probably takes 20 minutes to get out 20, here. yeah. So, you know, I'm being live wire, public enemy number one. Right. And, you know, it gives me enough time to get cranked up. And, and really, the whole month of October, I play that album. Real Motley? The, the Too Fast, too for, fast love. for Love? Yeah, is, the, okay. the first album. Yeah, hmm. which I'll never do, I, I, I doubt I'll ever do a podcast on Motley Crue simply because... I can't just do one song. It's right. like every song on that album is just equally awesome. Yeah. When that, uh, did you ever watch that Netflix, The Dirt movie? Uh, yeah, I think, I don't know if I caught the end of it. I might have stepped out whenever his daughter died. Right. I caught the, you know, everything yeah, yeah, yeah. to that point. It was a pretty good watch. The acting was a little, well, that's, I wanted it to be more. It wasn't big budget. Yeah. But, no. but I found that after I watched good stories, that. though. I, I went on a uh, Motley Crue kick, like you, like you were talking about, after, right after I watched it, and I found myself listening. That Too Fast for Love album was the album I it was like. I wanted to hear Livewire, and I wanted to hear all that early stuff. I, you know, everything later I didn't really care about, it, so I was drawn to that. Yeah, yeah. The first album, love it. Shout the Devil, I love most of it. Right. And then from there on, I I could take it. I could really care less. To be honest with you. Okay. I mean. I never, I, I'd had girls, 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 but nothing really besides the first two songs and maybe the third song, which I can't remember. None of it really spoke. And then Dr. Feelgood, I actually talked my roommate, my college roommate. My, out. I love this story. I, I talked him into returning that tape. Yeah. He went and bought that tape and we sat down and we listened and I made so much fun of, um, what was that, Kickstart My Heart? Right. I was like, you know, I had that Montrose uh, intro. Uh-huh. It's like, well, that's a complete ripoff. And then, um, you know, then the overproduced, whoa, yeah. That, you know, whoa. Yeah. Yeah. That's great, <laughs> though, man. Oh, I was like, come on, man. That that's... is so polished. That's not, nothing like that first album. Right. And he agreed that it was not as good as the first album. And he got so bummed 
by my speech that he he returned. You shamed it. him into returning. I it. shamed him into returning. I said this this is not Motley Crue. This is some polished you know through the factory version of Motley right. Crue. The real Motley Crue is that first album. It was raw. Yeah. And, you know nobody was directing them. It was what they really were. The essence right. of Motley Crue. I'd had one guy. There was a used record store in town for a little while. And I would go in there and, and just pick up records, you know, every night. I'd just go in there, look, if I see something, I oh, cool, i got to have it, I'd get it. And I was talking to him one day, and we got on the topic of Motley Crue Too Fast for Love. And uh, he had asked me if I'd ever heard, There's a, I guess there's a version of it that's like the demos for Too Fast for Love. That, even more of a demo? Because that album itself is It's demo. pretty demo, yeah. Okay. And uh, he there's there's some other version of it, and he he told I've never heard it, but he swore he preferred that version to even more even more than the two. It's just raw, or more aggressive. And, wow. Yeah. So. Well, I gotta check it. I've out never bothered to look for it, but. I wonder if it's uh, even a thing you can get. I don't, I don't know. Probably on YouTube, but I have to look into Probably. that one. Yeah. But yeah, October this or this fall weather. Fall weather's Motley Crue. Yeah. I mean that's when they looked their scariest. Oh well, sure, yeah. Yeah, I mean it looked like they were trick or treating. <laughs> you could probably call it what they were doing that, yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, and I did for like one of our company yeah. outings, I you know, I did the Nikki Six with the Uncle Sam hat and had my B C Rich uh Blackwood right. bass guitar going. Yeah. So Yeah. Big fan. <laughs> oh shoot! All right, that's enough jibber jabber. You think? Yeah, we're only what forty minutes in. Yeah, something like that. All right, uh, I have in my notes here, Jimmy, that you're going first this week. Oh, okay. Well, you know, we already we've been kind of in the Halloween mode, so this is perfect. Um, you know, I'm starting to get back into pulling out the uh, the Halloween movies. Yep. And uh, you know, I got my big collection, you know, the cream of the crop ones, you know, and I started thinking about, you know, the scariest moments in these movies, like, um, you know, like Pennywise when he pulled Rafi down into the gutter in the movie It. Mm-hmm. Now, actually, I, I began reading the book. It's the Stephen King book. Right. Um, and it was so graphic, the way he described how Ralphie died, that I stopped. Really? I didn't go any further. I was like, no, this is... It was just too gory. I just couldn't. It was like the TV series and the new It movies, they don't hold a candle that way Stephen King so described when, the way Ralphie died. When you say the scene, are you talking Are you talking about the, the recent release of It, or are you talking about the one from years ago? Well, it's the same. They're both the same. Okay. Like the book, okay. uh, the scenes in two yeah, different yeah, yeah. ones long ago and now. Yeah. It's, it's, you know, Ralphie lost his boat. Right, yeah. And... Pennywise is down in the, right. in the gutter, you know, t- you know, looking up, saying he's got his boat and all yeah. that. I don't want to go into detail with right. it, but it's pretty. Well, pretty it's interesting graphic. that you say that, that made you stop because that book it is on my list for like Audible download. You know, I've got a list of okay books I want to download that I've just never read that, and that seemed like it'd be a good one because I really this one that just came out that was the two parts or whatever. I really like. I really liked it. Yeah, so Stephen I thought, King's you know, pretty awesome. Oh yeah, big fan of Stephen King. Yeah, especially this time of year. So you know, he, and like um, when I first when I was old enough to go start going to the movies uptown in Princeton. Right. Um, that was around the time that Carrie was releasing uh-huh. Sissy Space. Yeah. Spacek. I think that's how you say it. And yeah. John Travolta. Yep. And that poster would be there, and, and 
on the, the movie promotional poster they had hanging up is now showing. But he had two pictures of Sissy, one where she's the prom queen, happy and everything. Yep. And then on the other side, the red lights are coming up like she's uh-huh. Ronnie James Dio and got blood all over her. <laughs> and, yeah, I used to go to the movies with my older sisters, and they kept teasing me that we're going to see Carrie. And I would just freak because that poster <laughs> just scared the shit out of me. And I'd just start crying. I don't, I don't want to go. Go, Bob. want to go. Go, Bob. I ain't going in. So, you know, good good handle that. And then, of course, like the twin sisters in The Shining. Yeah. Another Stephen King classic. Uh, Danny in that big wheel. Yeah. Getting to ride around on that big wheel in that big hotel. That's awesome. I mean, that is every seven, eight-year-old boy's yeah. dream. Yep. I mean, to have all that hotel to ride that big wheel right Yep. And then... Until you see those Until girls. Stanley Cooper takes a big dump on that dream. He turns that corner, and them two little girls that were uh-huh. in, the sh- in the movie earlier are standing there holding hands. Yeah. And, the, you know, they got the slaughtered, you know, kind of flash, flashback yep. thing happening. Yep. Oh, man, I can't. I still can't. I still turn away. Have you ever seen that movie Ready Player One? Uh, my boss talked about it. It says interesting. It is. It's interesting. There's a lot of uh, cultural references throughout the movie, but there is a nod to The Shining. Oh, is there? And it is fantastic. Well, I know, like the movie Twister. They that's the movie it's playing when the Twister right, hits, yep. and I think that's why they, you never see it play to drive him. But, um, um. Yeah, you, you see little nods in on there. Have you seen that? Um, oh, what's the recent one? Doctor Follow Sleep. up, Doctor Sleep. Yeah, I watched it a couple weeks that ago. That was good. Yeah. It was pretty good. It was. I didn't know what to expect. It was more for it. the hardcore fans, I think. Yeah, it but. was. It was. It was interesting. I, you know, I did. Like I said, I went into it not knowing what to expect. So it was just you know kind of open. I wasn't disappointed because it wasn't one way or the other. Yeah. It was just interesting. But yeah, I thought it was pretty good. I mean. It was, but Ready Player One, you say watch it. Just Ready for Player that. One, I recommend watching it. And then the movies, it's, the movie itself is okay. Like I said, there are a lot of cool pop references that I enjoyed kind of getting a glimpse of. But the the part where that references The Shining is just, fan- I mean, the first time I watched it and that came on, I was just like, oh my god, this is the best. Okay. Yeah. Well, now I gotta see it. Yeah. Okay. All right, and then another movie. And it kind of goes with what I'm getting ready to talk about. That um, actually, it was a TV mini episode that was on CBS, and it was in 1979. I was eight years old, and it was on TV. I could watch it. It was Salem's Lot. Have you, you ever seen Salem's Lot? You've talked about Salem's Lot before. Salem's Lot has probably the one scene that scares me the most. Right. Like, I, and, and you know, I don't think I've ever. I don't recall ever seeing it. Really? It, I know, terrible. Shame on me. Okay, well, I mean, the scene I'm getting ready to talk about, there's, there's a song, like an instrumental, that, that coordinates to the scene. Now, you know, I, I've i got this on my playlist, that particular song. You know, now, now, we're getting into the fall, so, you know, I'm training for a marathon, and I used to run in the morning because it just gets so stinking hot in the evening. It'd be too hot to run. Like, my ideal temperature for running is like from 45 to 65 degrees okay so and now i get to run in the evening but you know the um, <clears throat> problem with running in the evening is that the sun at this time of year the sun's going down a lot quicker right but you know 
I like having, you know, starting to get these scary songs on my playlist. It kind of those run faster songs. Gotcha. Uh, and this is one of them here. Um, you, know, you know, because when the, the twilight, when you get into the fading twilight, you, you need songs that are going to get you, you know, kind of creeped out. And this Motivation. is definitely one of them. Yeah. Yeah. You know, songs that creep me out enough to quicken the pace strictly out of fear, like, you know, some ghouls chasing me or something. Okay. You know what I mean, and the song that always ends up on my playlist for that reason is an instrumental song called Ralphie is Floating from the uh, 1979, like I said, CBS TV miniseries Salem's Lot, written and composed by Harry Sukman, who composed hundreds of compositions for TV shows and westerns like uh, Bonanza, starring Lauren Green and Michael yeah. Landon, and and uh, won an Academy Award for Best Musical Score, Song Without End. I mean, he's got a lot of experience, and this was actually the last thing he worked on was Salem's Lot before he, uh, he died in 84, so this came out in 79. You know, you know, some facts about, you know, this particular uh, song I picked, uh, Ralphie, and Ralphie is Floating, the name of this track, it refers to little brother Ralphie Glick, the first victim in the TV miniseries that's, that played on CBS from November 17th through the 24th. Um, of that year. Now, let me tell you a little bit about the movie since you haven't seen it. I try not to spoil it. I'm one of those guys where you can tell me everything that happens, including I mean, the surprise ending. And it I'm, came out seven and, and I'm still going to watch it. Yeah, I mean, it's what, 41 yeah. years. Yeah. There are no spoiler alerts with me. Okay, well, okay. Well, the main character in this m- movie, I guess you'd call it, uh, Ben Mears, uh, played by David So, an actor who is famous for playing... Detective Hutch in the very popular TV series at the time, you know that. Starsky and Hutch. Hutch, thank um, you. <laughs> yeah, drawing um, Which was on the wind down by that time. He's also known for a 77 smash song called Don't Give Up On This Baby. Have you ever heard that song? A ballad. David um, Soul singing the ballad. It seems like I have. It was It was number one. It was number one across the nation. It was on it was number one Billboard Hot 100 the week of April 16th, 1977. Okay. Beating out disco smash, smashes uh, Don't Leave Me This Way by Thelma Houston and Southern Nights by Glenn Campbell. Okay. And Hotel California by the Eagles. What? They were right on, this, on David Soul's tail. They could not catch him. Couldn't, man. Can't touch the David Soul was doing better than Hotel California. That's ridiculous. David hits hit song also hit four weeks was four weeks at number one on the UK singles chart in January February of seventy seven, holding off the Don't Cry for Me Argentina as performed by Julie Covington from the Andrew Lord Weber's Broadway Smash Vida. So David Soul had a lot going on, it's bound a, to be a big star. He was the uh, oh who's the Michael who's the Night Rider guy Hasselhoff. Um, he was, David the, Hasselhoff. he was the Hasselhoff of the seventies. Well, A- you know, acting, music. There's nothing he couldn't do. Well, what Hasselhoff was in Germany, David So was in England. Okay. I mean, they just they they could have been great together. Right. Absolutely. Power team. Okay, so Ben finds that goes back to his hometown, Salem's Lot, Maine, expecting to write a new a novel about the centerpiece of the town, the Marston House. Uh, ben believes that the manor is an evil house that attracts men since the place has many tragic stories and and Ben saw a ghost, even himself saw a ghostly feature, creature inside of the house when he was 10 years old. Uh, he saw a chance at a novel there. So He saw what? 
a chance. He's a writer. Ben uh-huh. Mears is a writer. He's going to write about the town. Oh, he's going to write a novel. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. So he's building up his case. But he has found that the Marston house has been rented out by antique dealers. Uh, Richard K. Stryker, played by James Mason, and an un- and his unseen partner, Kurt, Kurt Barlow, who's out on a buying trip. When there's, there's air quotes on that buying trip. Yeah, because he's you know you're going to find out when okay right. uh, when people's in the town and what makes this uh, a great great book a great movie is that and even Stephen King's favorite is that it really focuses on the people of the town right more than just on Ben Mears it kind of gives a you know Stephen King always says his favorite because it really you know because you think small towns are dying and. What made small towns great? He tried to capture in this book. Okay, but of course, being Stephen King, he's got to kill them off. Right, people start slowly dying. What from what is believed to be anemia, um, but Ben believes that Striker's partner is a vampire, but has to deal with how, but has to figure out how to convince his friends that he's not crazy and tell them the truth. Right. Uh, now, my song this week uh, makes an appearance in the miniseries. Right, the night the town is doing a. Um, like a town and countrywide search of the first victim, which is poor little Ralphie. Um, now, Ralphie's brother Danny was resting in the bedroom that night of this search and wakes up to find this dense fog outside of his bedroom window. We're getting into the scene that I cannot watch, sort of like other Stephen King's so I've the, mentioned. So the scene that you sent me yeah, is the scene that you can't watch. I, I just I pulled it up and... This is copy paste. This is, this is this is too much for me. I don't like it. I'm gonna send it to Todd. Well, you gotta think about it. When I I was eight years old, so this I this is this. previous trauma. Yeah, yeah. Because even now, I mean, it's yeah, it's the real deal, man. It's what well, the well, the problem is that you know, you know, I'm the youngest of eight kids, so I had to kind of. My bedroom was like in the hallway upstairs. Yeah. With, and I was next to a window. Right. That was right above the front porch. You know, there's like an awning over the front mm-hmm. porch. So you could walk up on this awning to the window I was at. Oh, yeah. And, and, and climb in. It was okay. real easy to do. I had no blinds. It was just an open window. Yeah. And my bedroom was right there, a real small space. So the idea of somebody coming up, like, well, I was going to say, the fog materializes into Ralphie. Ralphie's turned into a vampire, and he's scratching at the window, yeah. you know, trying to convince his brother to open them up, open up this window. I, I will say that scratching at the window is awesome. <clears throat> it was, uh, you know, just to see that on network TV. Yeah. And not have any, like, this may not be suitable for children. Yeah, this is 70s, man. Anything goes. But you think about it, like, the PG-13 did not come out till that second Indiana Jones movie. It was like mid-80s, wasn't it? Yeah. Well, when he pulls the heart out in that cult scene, that's when they realize, okay, well, maybe... Maybe we shouldn't be spooking the kids this much. Yeah, PG needs to be a little more defined here. So, um, yeah, so he's, you know, scratching on the window with his long fingernails and you know Danny sees his brother and you know how like a Dracula trance yep. or whatever he goes to open the window Ralphie floats inside hover, hovering over over him and eventually taps his neck like a high school kegger <laughs> and you know and, the, and it just goes from there you know people are left and right and eventually right. The, the town is just overran by vampires I, I'm sitting here I'm still amused by the you pulled it up, 
You hit play, copy. You didn't even look, you got it alluded to, you didn't even look at the screen. I, copy, uh, paste, closed it. So you so you couldn't, that I, I still amuses that me. That is just like uh, the peripherals, right, my yeah. eyeballs, and uh-huh. copy, paste. This is what I'm going to do. Okay. And you can see why that music that plays during that scene. Yeah, it's great music. When the sun's going down, like, I don't know, 6 o'clock. Yeah, that's a, yeah, a little bit. Yeah, 7 o'clock, it's dark. When that kicks on to my. You know, my mix, you know, my jog mix. Right. It's time to get going. Gets in your head. Because, you know, little Ralphie's going to be coming after you. <laughs> so, yeah. So I talked about, you know, I, you know, I just had an interest in monsters and ghouls. You know, I had, yeah. I, you remember those comic books back then. They were, I mean, we were all, you know, at that age especially. So, but when it's in your face like that, forget about it. Um, the glowing eyes and the wretched looks on their faces still gets under my skin. And the idea of these creatures could just float up to your window and try to get you to let them in. I mean, in your bedroom, guaranteed. After I saw that, I was like, Mom, I need blinds on my window. Right, you know? blinds. I, I never want to wake up. Piece of plywood. Yeah, I never want to wake up to that. Nope, nope, nope. So the song itself is a great match for that particular scene. It's a great, and musically I'm talking here, it's a great combination of the Pizzicato plucking on the violin, you know, yeah. that's kind of it's got that, um, you know, a jaw slash a predator's approaching feel. Yeah, it's, that, it's a classic feel for what you would expect. I mean, there's that build up and there's I mean, everything about it. I and mean, you got that, you know, kind of hypnotic scale playing of the vibraphone on top of it. It's just brilliant. Have you ever, I mean, not too often you get a vibraphone. I don't know if you, did you ever own that? Loving Rockets 89 album. I don't think so. Like the last track on that album, No Words No More. Okay. Like uh, the drummer, not David J, but his brother. I can't think of his brother's name. It's like David J and his brother. David K. It's basically Ball House without. Right. You know, um, like Peter Murphy. Yeah. But, you know, he plays the vibraphone on that. It's really got like a hip, hypnotic thing to okay. it. It's, it's pretty cool. But, um, yeah, it's, it's scary as shit, especially when you're in Westland Woods alone. It's getting Yeah, dark. I was going to say, you probably run over there in the wooded area, and if you got headphones in and everything's just, you've got nothing nothing coming into your hearing except for that song. Yeah. And you're all alone. And you're all alone, and it's getting dark, and people are stepping out from behind trees, and yeah. But, you know, as far as the movie, you know, Fred Willard, is a supporting oh. actor. He plays a serious role for once. Rest in peace, Fred. Um, but the, the, the one who sold the show was the actor James Mason. He's just brilliant in this movie. Um, famous English act, actor whose career went from the 50s until his death in 84. Great. It, he's probably the best when he's the bad guy. Mm-hmm. You know, and he's definitely the bad guy in this. I mean, when he, he, he hopped at the chance to play this character and you can right. tell why because he just he takes it in i mean my favorite scene with him is when he and barlow face off against the town's priest um barlow who looks like nosferatu from the old 1920s yep. movie i mean has one of the has one of the main characters in the series mark the teenage kid who helps david so you know with the vampires trying to take care of the situation but um Barlow, the the vampire, the actual vampire, the main chief, has marked by the throat. And the lines James Mason, he says, I mean, 
me and a good friend of mine uh, often quote, often quoted at times because he like he walks in and says, "Poor little boy, you can do nothing against the master. Stop, holy man! He'll cut the boy's throat." Back, 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 holy man! Back, shaman! Back, priest! And then he turns to the priest and says, "What would you give for this miserable boy?" He says, what do you ask? I said, what would you give to reprieve him of this night and save him for another night? So what do you ask? Throw away your cross. Face the master. Your faith against his faith. Can you do that? Then do it. Classic. Ladies and gentlemen. I mean, you know. That's Jimmy right there. No, that's James Mason. That's Jimmy turning it on. Selling it. Face the master. Throw away your cross. Your faith against his faith. Can you do that? Is your faith enough? So creepy. So creepy. <laughs> Love it. Love it. Um, and, you know, they did a... They tried it again in 2004. They did a remake of Salem's Lot with... Um, oh, he was in um, St. Elmo's Fire. The Brat Pack. Yeah. The good-looking guy. Judd Nelson. You got... Well, the he was like the Brad Pitt. Emilio Estevez. Rob Lowe. Rob Lowe. Yeah, he played the Ben Mears part. And Donald Sutherland played James Mason's part. And, you know, Donald Sutherland, yeah. he, he was he was good in his own goofy way. Right. But he didn't have the lines like James Mason. Right. He just was not as creepy as James Mason. So, you know, that's why I picked that song this week. Because, you know, when you're talking, getting in the Halloween mood, you got to go to something off your favorite right. Halloween movie, and Salem's Lot's definitely that for me. Okay. And, um, you know, and it, it's had the influence on pop culture, the movie itself. I mean, the Swedish band Ghost, their, their first album, uh, Opus Apotamus, I mm-hmm. think that's how you say it, was inspired mm-hmm. by the movie poster. And, I mean, they direct, you know, directly using that movie poster. The lead, lead singer of Korn says that's one of his favorite movies of horror movies of all time as as it is mine i'll at least have this link and when you're watching it listening to the music just know that jimmy can't watch it no that scene I, you know it's like the little girls in shining and i just i turn my i gotta okay. turn my head i just uh-huh. can't can't deal with it uh-huh. um you know i'm almost 50 years old <laughs> i'm a grown man and i'm still scared <laughs> I'm a grown ass man i'm still scared like a little eight-year-old <laughs> it's all right Okay, Dad, what you got? All right, this week, I, you know, like you said, we're in that autumn, fall weather. Things are getting dark early. I picked a song this week that is, for me, the perfect kind of dreary day, not only song, but band, album. It's kind of, if there's a crummy-ass day and I've got stuff to do (laughs) and I just want background music on, this is my go-to because it, it fits the mood so perfectly for me. The band I'm talking <laughs> about is Portishead. Oh, yeah. And the song I picked is Wandering Star from the Dummy album released in 1994. And I will say, it's, it's, it's kind of a tough choice. They This band, Portishead, they've got s- such a unique sound and so many songs, I, I, you know, I went through a list of them just trying to figure out which one I was going to do because even though it's the same band, the songs in a lot of ways are so different. And it's it's interesting. It's just, well, it's just fascinating that, to me. The female singer is so, she's got such a honey voice. Oh, it's, it's 
it's almost terrifying. Yeah, it's, in some uh, instances, it's ghostly. Very yeah, ghostly. Yeah. So, like I said, there was there were some other choices. You know, I kind of made a list and went through and listened to them. And you know, they've got a song called "Glory Box" that is a great jazzy, laid back vibe with super romantic vocals. So, just the way she sings is is very romantic to me. There's a song called "All Mine" that is very James Bond feeling to me. Oh, okay, it, I haven't heard that one. Yeah, and then. Uh, there's a song called Cowboys that, again, like you said, haunting background, eerie vocals. It's, yeah. it's just weird. But the song I said, like I said, I picked uh, Wandering Star from the Dummy album. Now, looking into this whole, you know, Portishead's one of those bands where I heard of them. Again, this is another one of those bands I ran across when I was working at a record store. You know, came in, put it on. I was like, wow, this is cool. And gotcha. kind of fell in love with the sound and, and followed them for a little bit. But it's it's not one of those bands I really tried to figure out who they were or what they were. Or are they doing anything else? It was just I liked that sound, so it was enough for me. Yeah, gotcha. I didn't have to venture out. But it was you know, Sour Times was the one that won me over. Yeah, that that it's I was another like, good one. What, there's nothing like that. There's nothing like yeah. Yeah, they're so, unique. The the best way I found to describe them is a term called trip hop. And when I looked up trip hop on Urban Dictionary, it it defines it as a blend of electronica and down-tempo hip-hop, urban and ethereal street and ambience, thought-provoking, sensual and deep, often jazzy, chill-out music. That's quite a blend. It's quite a blend, but it's a pretty accurate description. So You can hear it in the song, that's for sure. Yeah. So Portishead, they were one of the first bands, artists, whatever you want to call it, to kind of popularize this this trip-hop sound in America. Uh, slow, elastic beats that dominated Massive Attack's Blue Line. Massive Attack was another band that kind of had that same yeah. feel. Yeah, um, I could, yeah. yeah. That's uh, probably the only tricky, band that gets close to it. Tricky's another one yeah. that's kind of like that. But, you know, it's acid house, sound music, cool jazz, kind of a weird, blended mix of kind of all those things. Massive Attack, I forgot about them. Alluringly dark sound is another yeah. definition of kind of of how it sounds that I found. <clears throat> the album Dummy itself was described by Melody Maker as music noir for a movie not yet made. Interesting. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's Rolling Stone magazine has called it gothic hip hop. Uh, gothic hip hop. Today it says known today in music as hauntology. Is the term? <laughs> Those are all accurate. Yeah, it's uh, yeah. None of them are wrong. So, the band itself, Portishead, formed in Bristol, England, in 1991. The name Portishead was named after a West Coast shipping town. Jeff Barrow was a producer, remix producer, uh, songwriter. He worked at the England's Coach House Studio, and I put I don't know why, but I put in parentheses in England. <laughs> just just so we're aware it took you so long to find that studio you forgot you already yeah had i've already said there. it yeah, yeah. so yeah. worked in the england's coach house studio and that's where he met massive attack um you see what town that's in coach house studio uh you know what i started looking it up i looked up their website and it was just it didn't give a lot of information on because now you know I'm going to have to look at that. Yeah, no, no, you have to look it up. Yeah. I figured you could do that work. But the the website I looked up for the studio itself was, I couldn't find a whole lot. There wasn't like, I mean, there were a few quotes of some folks, I guess, that have recorded there that I didn't recognize any of them. And I think there were some, you know, studio rates and stuff like that. But as far as any kind of a history thing, I couldn't find, couldn't find much on it. I got you. 
So Jeff Burrow worked at the studio. He met Massive Attack. I guess that's kind of where he picked oh, up. Oh, they're both out of the uh, same... Yeah, they're okay. the same kind of area. Littleton, so. England? Sounds right. Yeah. I don't know where that's at, but go ahead. Um, this, the, singer, uh, the singer, Beth Gibson, she was singing in pubs when she met Jeff Barrow. Uh, you know, they kind of got together, and then there's a jazz guitarist named Adrian Utley who kind of came into the fold and that's really them it's it's the producer who does remixes you got this female that's got a fantastic voice it's almost like kind of sounds reminds me of uh, Garbage because uh, yeah. the guys who produced like Nevermind yep I mean, they, yep. they, they uh, found Manson Charlie, Charlie Manson, Charlie Manson. Yep. kind of the same setup there yeah yep so kind of a unique setup with them uh one of the things that I found interesting and, and kind of made sense because, like I said, I never really went down any path to try to figure out who they were or what you know, they did. But one of the, the quotes was, Borrow and Gibson were media shy, so they refused really to do interviews or anything to promote the record. Hmm. And so the album basically received a little attention through mainstream media, yet became very, very popular underground. It, it's that different, that good. Well, yeah. It was one of those things where even though they weren't doing any of the mainstream, hey, this is our new record, come check us out, blah, 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 they got a huge following. So, Dummy, the album, was named Album of the Year in 1994 by various sources. Uh, another kind of going back to that last comment, Sour Times, when that single came out, it debuted at number 13 without any radio play in 1995. That's funny. That, yeah, and that was a big hit on MTV in the day, yeah, I remember. Yeah. And it got no radio play and came out and went number 13. So that that kind of gives you an idea of how successful this underground movement was on this man. I wonder if it's like all foggy all the time around that studio, you know, have an influence on the music. Like, is it right on the, on the prime meridian? It says it's like, on the, uh, what a Sometimes West Coast shipping town. Well, you know, you, so you got to kind of imagine English, West Coast. So there's ocean, shipping town, not exactly, industrial, not exactly, uh, you know, not rolling the green Bahamas. Hills. Yeah, not the Bahamas. Correct. Yeah. Yes. So I'm sure the weather had an influence. Yep. Like Seattle and did on you know yep. the grunge. Uh, another interesting note about this album, Dummy, 1995, July. It won the Mercury Music Prize. Or album of the year, it was you know they were up against um, Blur, was in the category. Oasis was in the category, and this record beat both of those. So yeah, for you know 1995, as big as Oasis was, as yep. big as Blur was, this Portishead swoops in and steals that category. That's impressive. Yeah, no, it, it, I think it says a lot about it. So their second album, self-titled Portishead, uh, has been called Grainy and Harsher. Uh, it's got a different sound, although it's similar, but it is. It's a little, it's it's a different direction. It is a little heavier, a little just harsher. A little grainier, a little yeah, harsher. a little grainier, a little harsher. Right, yeah, exactly. That, I guess that's the title. Uh, and then the uh, the band themselves from 1995 to 2005 took this big, long hiatus, went and worked on solo projects, did their own thing for a little while. I think they've come back a couple of times and done some stuff. Supposedly they're working on a record, but it's been many years. And nothing's been produced from it so 
Yeah, that's you're talking almost twenty five yeah. years since those they're, songs. You know, talking earlier about you know that creating that keeping the mystique of a band and not letting people yeah. in too much. I mean, this this is a good example. It's a great because you know I'm kind of fascinated by him, but there's not really a whole lot. There's there's no Osborne's version of yeah, Portishead. So. Yeah. Imagine if Portishead came out. You got to watch each band member go to the bathroom. Right. You know, go take a right. dump. You know, you get that cameraman in the toilet with you. <laughs> you know, that's what ruined Ozzy. Yeah. I hate to bring that back up. But yeah. That, what Portishead did is what Ozzy should have done. Right. He would still be evil today, but now he's just some yeah. goofy old man. Right. Yeah. But, yeah, so, Portishead, good stuff. Things I dig about this song, that the bass line that's throughout this thing... It reminds me, and you don't you don't hear it much anymore. But you remember when you used to call somebody and they were on the phone, so you get that busy signal. Mm-hmm. That bass line sounds like that busy signal slowed down and deeper. Oh, way deeper. And it's and it's strange to me because, in in one sense, hearing that at the beginning of that song, hearing that and it reminding me of being a busy signal, it's frustrating. But at the same time. It's comforting. It's a soothing tone. Because it reminds you of... No, it's not because it reminds me of that frustrating instance. It's just the tone of that bass line is just... Well, it's very low. Yeah. You know, and just yeah. kind of like the the floor of the song, you know? Yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah, and it's all the way through it. Little tweaks of the guitar here and there, that little do 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 I love that. Now, what do you think of the scratch record? I'm getting that's my next item. Um, okay. My next item is the scratch stuff and the the hip hop effects, if you want to call it that. For me, this song has the right amount of it. It might get a little too much at the end, where there's a lot going on with it. Because it but, reminds me of House Pain. But everything to everything makes sense to me where it's placed, and it's not it's not not enough. It's it's enough to where I don't want more, and it's not too much where I wish they'd cut it back. So I mean, it's just like I said, except for the end of the oh, song where there's a lot of it going top. on. It's it's a little much, but the rest of the song is I I just think I think they're perfectly placed. And the House of Pain thing, yeah, I get. Because as soon as you mention that, it's like, yeah, I get that. Okay. Yeah. yeah, I hear it too. Step it to the, step it to the house, 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 house. <laughs> oh, goodness. It sounds like that makes it the song a little dated. I mean, kind of like, okay, you are from the early 90s. Yeah. Because that was like right. know, coming off Fat Boys in the mid-80s. Right. You know, Scratching Records was like, you know, still yeah. popular in the early 90s. It started to fade away when... Um, <clears throat> oh, who were the two that died? The big uh, hip hop artists that killed in the late nineties. I mean, you didn't hear so much scratch records back then. I don't know who you're talking about. Biggie Smalls and oh, uh, Tupac. Tupac, yeah. yeah. I mean that it wasn't a part of that whole uh, generation. Right. Yeah, I don't know. I, I it seems like I still hear it some. Like I know Slipknot's got a DJ that does stuff like that in some of their songs. Yeah, that's not really hip-hop, I mean. Well, no, they're not hip-hop, but it's still alive and well, man. Well, I think it's Scratcher because I'm thinking of 80s, early 90s. Right, yeah. You know what I mean. And and this song doesn't have the extent of that in it. There's bits and pieces of the Scratch stuff on there. I don't know. For me, it works. 
It doesn't. I got you. It didn't. It didn't no, really, it's not. It's it not didn't really take me back to that whole eighties hip hop scratching records thing until you mentioned it. <laughs> now the songs are ruined for me. Thanks a lot, Jimmy. Oh, Forget sorry, everything man. I just said. I, I hey, you know, I I talked my roommate in the returning Doctor Feelgood. I have a problem with pointing out things that ruin the fun. Right. I just right. I can't help myself. That's why I'm in the, in accounting. <laughs> I have to deal with the reality too much. That's right. That's I'm right. sorry. So anyway, closing out this song, I just, for me, this is a great, and again, it's it doesn't have to be a gloomy, dreary day, but if it's if there's a good old fall rain going on where it's just cloudy and crummy outside, it's a great listen. Absolutely. My favorite time to listen to this is if it's, if it's one of those late afternoon, dreary outside, like really heavy snowstorms. Mm-hmm. Where the snow's just coming down, big flakes. Yeah. For me, it just brings that dreariness in and makes it comfortable. Oh, I get it. Yeah, I so. get it. Yeah, definitely. So Portishead, Wandering Star, but they have a ton of other great songs with unique sounds. So that's that's what I got this week. Excellent, excellent. All right, we've covered a lot today. Yeah, yeah. That's um, yeah, we got a lot off our off our chest. I feel a little lighter. I do. I feel like maybe I could float. Don't start, man. It's dark outside. <laughs> what, uh, you got any question of the week? No, I'm still upset. I have to revisit that scary scene. I really, I have not thought of a question. Okay, I, I've got a question. Okay. If, if I, if you will allow. Oh, absolutely. So, my question would be, what scary scene from a movie has stuck with oh, you over the years. Yeah, because everybody's got to have Everybody's one. got one. If you love horror, you got to have that yeah. one scene that yeah. you've got really to turn, kind of turn that, away from. That's really just get you. Yeah, and then turn back when it's over. Yeah. Yeah, All that's right. a good question. Man, I'm coming along. Todd, doing great, man. Doing great. <laughs> All right, again, that's it. That's, uh, that's the show this week. Uh, don't forget to follow us on the socials. Send us some emails. Rate us. Subscribe. Tell your friends. Hashtag everything. This hashtag time, this everything. Week, Todd. Hashtag it up. Hashtag. I'm going hashtag crazy. Let's go. Name, this is. Let's think of everything we name dropped and hashtag it. Good lord. <laughs> uh, all right. I'm not even sure how the hashtags work. So they do. Uh, no, I, I don't know how they work. Oh yeah. Have you not even clicked? No. On? Well, that's how I found Don Doc and that grizzly bear. In the yeah. Backyard, no, I don't. Cl- you put that on there. I don't click on nothing, man. That all that goes to China. Hey, it's working fine. Okay. I mean, it does. I mean, yeah, I think that's all there is to it. Just whether you stay within that platform, and okay. whatever it's Facebook or whatever. You click in, it takes yeah, everything yeah, else. I did that's two or three from okay. this past yeah. week. And, uh, Learn. Man, coming up with questions, learning something new. It's like there's new, like a uh, whole, a like whole a door world out there. It's like a whole door of yeah. stuff I've never seen before. Fantastic. Hashtag, well, thanks baby. for giving me another rabbit hole to try to avoid. I'm sure listeners are shaking their heads that we're just oh yeah, we're hashtags. just a bunch of dumb old guys. Yeah, don't absolutely. Know, don't know anything. Yeah, analog in a digital world, baby. That's scared of things that happened 40 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just leave it at that. All right, cool. All we're right, ruining the mystique. That's right. That's right. Keep it. Keep it uh, mysterious. All right. Thanks for listening. Bye.